The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to have you all here. We're in this series called Alive, and it follows Easter. And, and uh, w- when you look at what Jesus did on the cross for us, died for us, gives us new life, resurrected from the dead. In the book of Hebrews, when it reveals this and talks about it, then the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, talks about, gives us uh, 20 some odd examples of people who walk by faith. And we go, wow, th- this is awesome. And then, and then in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, because Jesus died for us, because he's alive from the dead, because he's calling us to walk by faith. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely so that we can run with endurance the race that's set before us. So that's this series that we're doing, The Seven Deadly Sins. It's just the following the course of of the cross, the gospel, the resurrection, walk by faith. Therefore, lay aside all the stuff that will rob you of the ability uh, to persevere. So that's the series. A few weeks ago, I, I was able to talk about greed. And so that was really convicting. It was a little difficult to talk about, a little difficult to be vulnerable vulnerable about. Uh, but today, I get to talk about lust. It's even more difficult <laughs> uh, to be vulnerable uh, about this area. And the fact of the matter is that it's still in my mind. It's still in my memory. Uh, I, I, can, I can still picture it. Um, years ago, uh, there she was sitting behind me in school. She was in a desk behind me and I would just keep looking and I would keep looking and the lecture would go on and on and I wasn't listening but I would just steal a glance whenever I could steal a glance and that image was just in my mind and um, I could just see her black hair falling down upon her shoulders and see I could see her body filling out you know her clothing the way it was supposed to and yeah that was it I was that was the word we're talking about lust and uh, that that was when I look back that was you know a real case of it now I still remember her name her name was Mrs. Jones she was my seventh grade teacher uh, <laughs> I was 12 years old uh, and we think, oh, that's cute. <laughs> Jeff, that's real safe. And purposefully so. It's cute, it's safe. And that's sort of where we want to keep this topic. We want to keep it where it's cute. We want to keep it where it's safe. We don't want to really get into it where it would really convict. And yet the fact of the matter is this topic isn't cute and it isn't safe. As a matter of fact, Jesus put it this way. Jesus actually sets the standard and uses the word lust. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And because we want to keep it on the cute side, we want to keep it on the safe side, what we immediately want to do is to listen to what Jesus says and pass it off as a rhetorical device. As a, well, it's a hyperbole. 
but it's not. It's not cute. It's not safe. Epithemeo, to lust. To crave, to look at and to crave a sexual interaction. Jesus said, but I say to you, everyone who looks with this intent has already committed adultery with her. And I'm going to make the case, it really doesn't matter if it's in the heart or if it's physically. It has the same impact on your spirit and soul. Lust today has never been easier. Cheryl and I were listening to a podcast together. It was actually a recording of Moody's Founders Day uh, message done by Josh McDowell. And uh, he gave statistics. Actually, they just had this set-free conference. It was a worldwide conference. People from all over the world came, and it was last month, uh, just, just a month ago. And you can get all the notes, all the, not all the statistics, but a number of the statistics I'll be referring to. They're all right there, free. You can download all of it for free. www.josh.org forward slash set free. You can get all of it yourself. All the links to the articles, etc. It's there. Plus the youth group, they've done a wonderful job putting up resources for you all the way down the hallway to the left at the youth table. They have a number of resources for parents. I think that would be very helpful as, as well. But just so you don't think it's cute and safe, let me give you some statistics. In 1998, just 16, 17, 18 years ago, there were a total of 14 million web pages on pornography. Today, they're almost, or they're probably, it's past it now, but just less than a year ago, it was 1.79 billion pages. There are 20 million sites. So if you have a phone in your purse or in your pocket, uh, with just a click or two, you can be at 1.79 billion pages of pornography accessible to you. You know, when you think about the impact of Christianity, do you know the, the number one city that has more churches per capita than any other city in the world? It's here in, here in the United States. Can anybody take a guess? What city in the United States has more churches per capita than any other city? It's in Texas. Dallas. More churches per capita than any other place. Dallas, Texas. And yet Dallas is number two when it comes to pornographic downloads in the world. I do searches on the internet all the time. I probably did 10 yesterday for things. 25% of all internet searches are in regards to pornography. 35% of all internet downloads are pornography. Um, if there's a guy addicted to pornography, there's a three times the chance that that marriage will end up in divorce. About a third as many women look at pornography than guys, but it's for an entirely different reason. Most women who look at pornography are either doing it, number one, to try and save their marriage, or if they're younger, to try and get a boyfriend, or secondly, to try and keep a boyfriend. 
what we're finding out is Google is the next sex educator. I know this, this is, of all the statistics, this is the one that shocked me more than any other. 87% of all first and second graders, 87% of all first and second graders get their first view of pornography on their mom and dad's cell phones and iPads. They go to school, they hear, oh, maybe a slang term for a human body part, and they'll go, what in the world does that mean? Well, they're not going to ask mom and dad, so they pick up their phone and they Google that slang term to that body part. Guess what comes up? And I know if guys see an image, there's this, there's paperclip hormone called norepinephrine. It takes for a, a normal man, it takes about less than 20 seconds for norepinephrine to paperclip that image on their brain forever. I can tell you some of the pictures I've seen when I was a kid. For a child under the age of 11, it takes 0.76 seconds for norepinephrine to paperclip that picture on their brain. Now, God did it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God did it for a wonderful reason. When you think about little kids and, and they see a scorpion get bit by a scorpion, that image is seared on their brain. They know, oh, scorpion, bad news. I, and it's paperclipped. They know at a very young age what things will hurt them. Oh, stoves, hot, fire. I'm not going to get around a stove. Uh, porcupine, etc. Saber-toothed tiger. Stay away from saber-toothed tigers. <laughs> you know, they, they hurt. Uh, so God fearfully and wonderfully made us with these capacities. And yet at the same time, you know, we think, and it's wonderful that, that parents are aware and we're putting things like covenant eyes on our children's laptops and computers, but what about your phone, mom and dad? What about your iPad, mom and dad? To think that we're going to put covenant eyes on our children's computer and that's going to keep them away from, from pornography is like saying, well, I'm going to put this massive lock on the front door with chains and deadbolts, but I'm going to leave every window in the house wide open. And so what happens, one of the chief ways that children will download stream pornography is through gaming devices. Main characters, main culprits, Nintendo, Xbox. So do you have covenant eyes on those two and on your TV and on your uh, DVD player that can access the internet through that too? I'm just saying, yeah, we can lock the front door, but there are windows, sliding glass doors, back doors, wide open, not to mention school. I think the thing that is scaring people the most are the more recent inventions, and I'll, I'll get to the why this is so critical in just a second. But in 2000, well, Sony has the 3D glasses right now, which is a big source of viewing pornography through 3D glasses, Sony 3D. You can get them right now. There's another thing coming out, which is it's called virtual reality. It's called Oculus. It was invented in 2012. It was purchased by Facebook for $2 billion in 2014. It's getting ready to hit the market in August. I got on Amazon just to see if you could pre-order it. You can pre-order Oculus for $599 today. It'll be out in, in August. It's being sold as a gaming device. 
Okay, it's they're virtual. It's a virtual reality where you get it, you look down, you're like in rooms. You can go through a town and you can see up, you can see down, you can control yourself. If you go too fast, it's so real, it would make you throw up. There are five software developers for Oculus owned by Facebook. There is one of the five is developing software for gaming. Guess what the other four are developing for? You got it. Pornography. Lust of which pornography clearly. This isn't just a Christian deal. This is the secular and the sacred are saying it's the number one addiction now. It's the, it is, biblically, it is the doorway into what the Bible would call sexual immorality. Or Jesus called it lust, just in your mind thinking, visualizing, and wanting. That's lust. Epithemeo. Jesus used the term. He said, it is so real, it's as if you already, you, it's not as if you did, you did commit adultery with her already, but only in your mind. It's that real. So it's not cute, and it's not safe. It is the doorway into a realm, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a little bit too, it just gets worse and worse and worse, more and more controlling of your mind. It actually changes your brain. So my son is just finishing up first year med school and he had a lecture by a neuroscientist. And in the lecture, when they covered that, um, that section, I mean, they were talking about, it, and, and this is a secular uh, scientist saying, it changes the brain, pornography. And so Johnny was sending me all these links to the latest research of JAMA. JAMA Psychiatry, uh, Emory University uh, from Germany, the research that's being recently done in Germany, it's changing the brain itself. So we absolutely need grace. Let me just say, we need grace. I, 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 want, us, I want us to hear so desperately what Jesus told a woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. At the end, it said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. I want us to hear that. I want all of us to hear that so bad. Because the truth is, 98% of guys here have viewed pornography. 72% of you are addicted to it. And there's no difference between Christian and non-Christian. None at all. Matter of fact, if you call yourself a fundamental, if you call yourself a Christian fundamentalist, you're more likely to be addicted to pornography than the average unbeliever. I want us to hear grace. I want us to hear it so bad because we need it. Here's our problem. And every one of these seven deadly sins, we've talked about the need for grace and truth. Here's our problem. Typically, we tend to want to either lean toward grace 
and we the side of grace and forgiveness and acceptance but without the tension of truth there's no there's no stable foundation for life there there's no stable foundation for relationships and without truth we begin to lose our strength and courage and direction and we begin to deteriorate as a person and we lose joy and meaning in life now now that's one we can err on the side of grace the other danger though is erring there and there are many of us and I certainly tend to go this direction as well we tend to err naturally toward truth scientific truth philosophical truth religious truth ethical truth statistical truth legal truth telling the truth speaking the truth demanding the truth but without grace folks we can wear people out we can defeat people we can burn them up and discourage them we desperately need both we need truth that will expose us for who we are and then we need grace that will meet the need that truth exposes. Together, they are a beautiful relationship. I love Lamentations 3. Cheryl's favorite hymn comes from these two verses. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Do you hear that? There's grace. The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies never ceases come to an end. They're new every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You need to hear that. We all desperately need to hear that. But without truth, we lose internal strength. We lose the clarion voice of right and wrong and we begin to deteriorate and let us stray. Let me tell you why I think this is so critical for our church. We live in Iowa City, and people would say Iowa City is a blank town. What would that blank be? Iowa City is a college town. College is basically made up of what we would call the young, the younger millennials, not the older millennials, but the younger millennials, ages 20 to 26, older millennials, 27 to 35. So there was a study that was done by Barna Research, recent, very recent study done by Barna Research, and people were asked, it was broken up into di- different demographics, and people were asked to put in order their list of um, most immoral to least immoral. Okay? So people like me, people in their 50s, 60s, that age range, when they were asked to put what they would call immoral, you know, Boy, toward the top of the list, we would have things like sexual immor- immorality would be at the top of the list. You know, at the bottom of the list would be something that my wife gets on my case for all the time, not recycling. You know, Jeff, why did you put that in the break? That's supposed to go in the recycle. Oh, whatever. You know, and I sort of blow that off. The amazing thing, though, to the, to the younger millennials, at the top of their list, Far more immoral than pornography or sexual impropriety or immorality is the unwillingness to recycle. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's wrong either. I'm, I'm saying we need to recycle, we should recycle. But I'm saying in my mind, I've got, you know, our lists look like this. 
And so my appeal is, in a church with a lot of younger people, my urging to you is to at least listen to the truth of the Word of God. Okay? As a matter of fact, of the younger millennials, 25% of them also say that pornography is good for our culture. 10%, actually it's 8%, say pornography is very good for society. Okay? That's pretty, pretty staggering. So what I'd like for us to do is to look at 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to summarize the first few verses, the first 11 verses. It's all about lust. The first 11 verses talks about lust for yourself rather than having a passion for God. We lose our purpose, we diminish our joy when there becomes a lust for self rather than a passion for God. Then he switches and he's talking about now the lust for sex itself. Now this is the truth I think our culture needs to be listening for. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I'm not going to be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and each other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? And he uses the strongest Greek word possible, meganoito. Absolutely not. May it never be. Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Now, Jesus says this starts right here. Even a man looking, lusting, it starts in the mind. Folks, the brain. Guys, if I were to ask you what's the largest sex organ in your body, you know what it is? The brain. For every single person, the brain is your largest sex organ. And Jesus knew that. That's why he starts there. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee, take off running, shun, abandon, uh, disappear, vanish, escape. All those are or great translations, from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or don't you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So, let me just give you the truth. Here's the truth about God's ideal. His ideal is simply this. Sex is good. It was designed by God to create children and to recreate, to have fun, in a context where we relate as a husband and a wife for life. That's God's ideal. We went through this in God's design starting in January. But let me give you the truth about falling short. And again, I'm not naive. I know that even in a church, 72% of the guys in here are addicted to pornography. 
In other words, you go back, you go back, you go back, you go back. 98% of you have been, percent have been exposed to it. 72% are addicted to it. It makes no difference if you're the pastor or a member of the congregation. It makes no difference. Almost a third of those um, are women for very different reasons. Most in here, if statistics are right, most in here have had at one time or another a physical, if you're married, you've had a physical relationship with somebody who is not now your mate, either before or while you're married. Most have been engaged in that. I have talked over the years to dozens upon dozens of you. And I I understand the pain and the scars and I understand the fear. I understand the guilt. I understand the loneliness that it causes. But I still want to speak the truth at this point. I want to couch it in grace. I'm going to follow the Apostle Paul's formula. When he goes through the epistles, his formula is grace, truth, and he ends with grace. That's how I want to approach it. Grace, truth, end with grace. So I want to do it in love. I want to do it with gentleness. I want to do it with understanding. Uh, I, I don't want to come across as a, as a mean, upset, condemning dad. I want to be a loving father. That's how I want to present it. But I do want you to understand this very strange verse. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So the Apostle Paul is seeming to say that sexual immorality is different from every other kind of sin. And you go, well, wait a second, Jeff. It, certainly in Romans, Paul makes the case very clearly that every sin's the same. It doesn't matter if it's a big one or a little one. It doesn't matter if it's a big part of the law or a little part of the law. All of it separates us from a very holy and righteous God. And that's exactly, that's 100% right. Paul makes that point very clearly. Any sin, big or little, black or white, all of it separates us from a holy and righteous God and makes us in need of the gospel. That's not the point he's making here. The point that he's making here is different. He's just saying there's this set of sins has a set of accompanying consequences that are very different from every other kind of sin. Now I'm going to summarize it. Moses, Jesus, James, and Paul all make the same argument. They all go back to the original argument given by God to Moses in Genesis chapter 2. And this, this is the, the spiritual repercussion. There are a couple of different repercussions here, spiritually and physically. The spiritual repercussion is that, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they will become one flesh. It is what's called the mystery of oneness. And that's what Paul picks up here. He says, boy, if you, if you have sexual intercourse with a prostitute, you become one flesh with the prostitute. 
And not only that, you're bringing Jesus into that whole relationship. So that's the mystery of oneness. He said, it's very different. Sexual impropriety, sexual immorality is very different from every other kind of sin because of this mystery of oneness. So unlike during the day, people held, and even today we have this thought of a Platonic philosophy. In other words, we, we have a body. We have a soul. We have a spirit. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The, the Bible teaches you are a body. You are a soul. You are a spirit. And therefore, you are inextricably linked together and not separable. That's the argument of Jesus in Matthew 5. Even if a man looks upon a woman with lust in his eyes, he's already committed adultery with her. Because it's not this segment of your life and this segment of your life and this segment of your life. So all, Paul, James, Jesus, Moses, all argue on behalf of God that there is a metaphysical, ontological, unique bonding that takes place when there is a sexual interaction between two. And Jesus would even say it starts here in the mind. Let me give you some physical repercussions. And I'm not even going to go into sexually transmitted diseases. You learn that part in school. You don't learn this other part in school, but that's the part you learn in school. Uh, the sexually transmitted diseases. So I'm assuming you're well aware that my intent is not to go there. Talk to your physician, okay? <laughs> they will, they'll help you there. But I do want to talk about Jesus' point, what it does to the mind. There's a guy, I was first introduced to him. He's a, a famous, he's a psychiatrist, a, a neuroscientist. He's a world-renowned neuroscientist. He has more brain spec images than anybody else in the world. His na name is Dr. Daniel Amen. He has clinics on the East Coast, clinics on the West Coast. And I first heard about him through Kenneth Cooper from the Cooper Clinic in Dallas, Texas. I heard them do. He was, he was invited to do a symposium with them. I was just dumbfounded. And so I began to get his books. And he's written numerous books. You know, I love science. I love to read science. So anyway, I was reading these books. And by the way, just a little interaction here. It's about the time when Johnny, my son number two, was dating Jessica, who was a member of this church, Johnny and Jesse. They were dating in high school. Okay, they, well, they weren't dating yet. They met each other and they were getting ready to have their first date. So I'm at home. Johnny wanted to bring Jessie and introduce her to us, other than hello in the, in the lobby, to bring her actually to our house so we could talk. So I'm in the middle. I'm just engulfing one of Dr. Amon's books on the neuroscience of the brain. Difference between guys' brains, girls' brains, etc. And uh, so they come in. She's all dressed up, just the cutest little thing you'd ever see. And so they sit down across from me. We're in the living room. And uh, I actually, I got permission from, she might even be in the service, I don't know. But I got permission from her. Can I tell the story? She said, oh, of course, of course you can. I didn't ask Johnny, I just asked her. But, <laughs> but, oh, of course you can tell the story. So they were sitting down. And, you know, I just finished this story about what happens when a guy sees a beautiful woman. 
you know, and the, the whole entire limbic system begins to shut down. The dopamine in the amygdala begins to take off. The uh, phenylethyl, uh, amine, phenylethyl amine begins to, begins to shoot. And I mean, everything, and the prefrontal cortex, you know, slides in reverse. And, you know, the judgment center of the brain, you know, goes south. The limbic system goes up, you know. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just finished reading all this. And I look down, here's Johnny, you know, frothing at the mouth. Here's Jesse, so cute. You know, I said, Jesse, I said, you know, you are so cute. I said, this, you're getting ready to go out. I said, I just want to warn you, when Johnny looks at you, he's probably going to go brain dead. You know, <laughs> I mean, his limbic system is going to take off. His prefrontal cortex is going in reverse. And I said, it's going to be like going out with a, with, with a, with, with a brain stem on testosterone. You know, <laughs> you're just, you all are going to have to be careful. You know, and of course, they laugh about it now. You know, it's really cute, but it's, real, it's true. Cute, but it's true. And it's, it is dangerous. Uh, you know, the brains are so different between guys and gals. You know, there's an XY chromosome, there's an XX chromosome. The guys, every man, has an XY chromosome. The Y chromosome comes from the, from the father. And that Y chromosome does two things in the development of a young man. First, in the womb. They, at, there's a moment in time that developing young boy in the womb gets flooded with hormones, testosterone being the number one culprit. And the brain of the boy changes. The next time, guess you can guess when, puberty. That's the next time it gets flooded. But more fearful and wonderfully made, God perfectly designed it this way. So the left parietal lobe of the boy's brain is twice as large as the girl's as a female brain, an XX brain. So an XX brain is given toward language and communication and bonding. They're interested in smiles and security and people. The guy's brain is interested more in beauty, shape in 3D, movement, fantasy, obsession, action, competition. So that's why you ask a little boy, a little girl, if they want to play together, a little girl wants to talk, a little boy wants to go out and throw a ball. That's how their brains are wired. So when testosterone hits in adolescence, a little boy sees shapes, sizes, movements. Have you ever watched a, a boy watch a girl cross the street? What are they looking at? Well, God perfectly designed it because estrogen hits about the same time and the little girls begin to fill out in all the right places. And two are attracted to each other. Now you understand the incredible effects of this oculus, this virtual reality where guys now can see in 3D what's happening in a virtual world what's happening around them, how damaging that's going to be, it's going to be absolutely destructive. And the boys' brains get flooded with dopamine, phenylethylamine, uh, with uh, norepinephrine, and... Well, well, this is what one of the studies... This is one that just came out in JAMA uh, Psychiatry. Johnny sent it to me. 
Uh, a lot of the studies were done in Germany and at Emory University. So it's the same pleasure centers deep in the amygdala, deep in that limbic system that are fired up with, with beauty, shape, sizes, movement. It's fired up. Judgment center shuts down. You know, all these things are, are going on right now. It's the same thing, same pathway that happens when you take heroin or cocaine. Pleasure centers through the roof. Judgment shuts down. Same exact pathway. But there's a big difference between heroin and cocaine and pornography. Here's the difference. This is what the study in Germany showed that Johnny sent me. The study in Germany showed they had actually had to measure the, the probes on the brain, the measurements, that with heroin or cocaine, it, it takes more and more dopamine to excite, to get those pleasure centers going, more and more and more. Pornography, it's very different. It's not only more and more, but it's different. It has to be different. So we have a rise in child pornography. We have a rise in sex trafficking. We have a rise in abuse of women, slave trafficking, rape. And I, I won't even go into the rest of the words that follow. Don't think it's safe. Don't think, well, if, if I can just erase the history on my laptop, nobody will know. Your brain knows and you are, you are physically destroying your brain. It's worse than not recycling. It is destroying your brain. Oh boy, wow, wow. Is there any hope? What can we do? This is where we need grace. My dream is that the word of God would so impact your life that you will begin to say no to what this culture says is okay. My prayer is that you would listen to the truth of the word of God. My prayer is that you would understand that there is no such thing as casual sex. There's no such thing as casual inter interaction with pornography. There's no such thing as a casual, uneffective download. It will destroy your life. If you're married, it will destroy your marriage. So what's the application? Number one, right here, here's the word. Fuego is the word. Flee immorality. If you don't want to get stung by the bees, stay away from the bees. You don't, you don't pray about it. You don't negotiate with it. You don't think, well, I'll just take a look and see if I can resist. No, because the, the prefrontal cortex takes a dive. It loses its ability to make judgments. You don't play around with it. Don't wrestle over it. Don't ponder it. You flee it. Flee it. 2 Timothy 2. So flee youthful passions. Pursue instead righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Don't give any chances for the flesh to have its fling. Plan carefully what to do. Avoid it. And let me tell you, if you're a parent, 
I, I want you to hear this. You know, again, 87% of kids in the first and second grade start viewing pornography and, and th that early. On average, they start, they're saying, four, five, six, seven years of age to get hooked on this stuff. So please don't ask me, how old should my child get before I start talking about pornography or sex or things like that? If you're even asking that question, then you are part of the problem. It's never too early. Parents, you talk about it now from the time they're born, you talk about it. So it's part of the normal warp and woof of your conversation. They don't look at it as weird or inappropriate. It's part of life. So mom and dads, build a safe family environment, an environment without shame, without guilt, without judgment. Because I'll tell you what, truth or rules without a relationship will lead to rejection. You've got to have the relationship. If you just come across with truth, 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 and no relationship, they will reject what you're saying. They'll go somewhere else. Please don't wait for the youth group to talk about it. And they do an awesome job. I am so thankful. They got great resources. Mom, dad, they got great resources for you available. Write down books to read, ways to talk to your kids. Get them for your kids, get them for your grandkids, whatever. They're, they're awesome resources. I'm so happy. But don't wait for them to talk to you, to talk to your kids about it. Did you know that 75% of Christian parents never talk to their kids about pornography or sex? That's a sin. To talk about one of the most glorious things that God has created, not to talk about one of the most glorious things that God has created. And then secondly, model your faith in real life time. You know, one of the most compelling things, I think, the greatest motivation for your kids to remain pure is that they so desperately want what mom and dad have. That should be their greatest motivation. I, I just want the kind of relationship mom and dad have. That's what I want. That should, that should be their greatest motivation. Secondly, pursue a friend. The second part of 2 Timothy 2.22, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. That's one of the beauties of a community group. We talk about community group all the time. Get in a, in a place where you can talk about it and pray for each other. In community. Confess and repent. If you're struggling with it, therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, and I know there, there are people in here right now who need a fresh encounter with the forgiveness and grace of God. Don't, if you're feeling guilt right now, please do not let that guilt drive you away from God into the darkness. If you're feeling any guilt or any shame, let it drive you to God so that you can experience his grace and forgiveness. 
there are going to be a lot of a number of caring individuals up here after the service and guys and gals who would love just just to sit and pray with you have somebody to talk to help you on this journey that every single one of us have been on or or are on so be sure and do that we'll be up here right after the service and then fourthly forgive yourself forgive yourself that's why, you know, Jesus went to the cross. Again, that message in John chapter 8 about the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. The reason Jesus was nailed to the cross a short time later was for this woman's adultery and for all of our adultery, for all of our fornication, for all of our sin. He went to the cross. And he says, therefore there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Neither do I condemn you, he says. There should, without a doubt, be appropriate sorrow. Go and leave your life of sin. There should be appropriate sorrow. There should be repentance of sins. There should be a turning of sin. But you need to hear, neither do I condemn you. You need to hear that. Well, let me pray for us. Lord, uh, just, just close your eyes right where you are and sit quietly before God. And, and if there's something that he is bringing as a conviction to your heart and soul, just let it come up. Let God, let the Holy Spirit bring that before um, his presence. And now as the Holy Spirit brings that convicting sin or issue before in your conscience and in your mind, I want you to picture Jesus saying to you, neither do I condemn you. Hear Jesus say that to you and, and let him bring something else up if there's something else and then listen again. I don't condemn you for that one either or for that one or for that one. I don't condemn you for that. I went to the cross to die for that so that there can be therefore now no condemnation. So listen to Jesus. Listen to the truth of his word. Talk to you as you bring this before him. And for every thought that comes to your mind, picture Jesus on the cross saying, I died for that one too. Oh, Lord Jesus, will you raise up in our midst men and women who are fully devoted to you? We want to thank you that grace and truth meet together perfectly in you. We confess, Lord, too many times we don't do a good job of it. We either lean toward grace or we lean toward truth. But, Lord, they come perfectly together in you. So, Lord, I know for many people these are heavy words. And I pray that we um, are brought in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and by him alone uh, so that we can dump all this upon you. Your, the, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never end. Great is thy faithfulness. We ask it in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.